You're listening to the Make Life Epic Podcast with Jim Simcoe. Thanks for being here today. Let's get rolling with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Make Life Epic Show. I'm Jim Simcoe. Thanks for hanging out with us today. It's another gorgeous day here in San Diego. We've got a really special guest today. I'm really stoked to talk to this guy, Stephen Rogers. Steve, how are you today? I'm excellent, Jim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you got it. You got it. So Steve and I were just talking before we started recording, and we... uh. We both had past lives in real estate in the same area in uh, in Encinitas, which is really cool. How long how long were you in real estate? Gosh, I've been in real estate for twenty some twenty plus years. Uh, twenty plus years, yep. Wow, cool, very cool, very cool. So, um, and then, so what got you? What got? Tell me a little bit about your background. I, you know, I want to get into what you're doing now, but um, tell me a little bit about your background. Where where'd you grow up? And you know, yeah, I. I was a Navy brat. I came from a family of five boys. My parents had five boys in seven years, so they were definitely busy little bees. And my yes. dad, my dad was a Navy guy, so we traveled a lot. Uh, I moved out to California when I was in my early twenties. Uh, got into the hotel restaurant industry from the time I was in my teens, and I did the service industry of managing private country clubs and hotels and restaurants for many years. And then when I was in my late twenties, I phased into real estate, became a real estate salesman for a company called Grubbinellis when they had yeah. residents back in that time. Grubbinellis is big and commercial, of course. Right. But uh, I flew from I folded over from that into Prudential California Realty, which was just getting started in the early nineties in San Diego. Uh, and a guy named Steve Games owned that franchise, and he was yep. on a mission to grow like crazy. And so I was with that firm for 15 years, and I went from being a manager to becoming a regional manager, general manager, and eventually became the CEO of that company. Uh, and uh, we got bought by Home Services of America, which was <laughs> Warren Buffett Company, in 2001. So I worked under the Warren Buffett Home Services Company for about seven years. And uh, at our peak of that company, it got pretty massive. We grew that company to about 110 offices in Southern California. We spanned from San Luis Obispo down to San Diego, and we had almost 5,000 salespeople at our peak. So we were a pretty massive group. Uh, and then the real estate market shifted and changed and crashed, and that changed a lot of the, the world for that. But uh, it, it was a fun run, and I was at that company for 15 years. Right. And, and, you know, and, and for everyone who's listening, Steve is being very modest because at the time, I owned a real estate company as well. Our company was a lot smaller. We only had five offices. But um, everybody knew who you were, and, and we all knew that you, know, you did good business, and you know, Prudential was a great company to work with um, when, you had, when, you know, when you had them across the table you knew you were going to get a fair deal. And I think a lot of that came from your leadership. So it's a credit to you and what you built over there. Oh, thank you for that. I appreciate yeah, it. of course. So where did you go to high school? Uh, I was uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. My dad, after he retired from the Navy, ended up and we were a Hoosier. So they still live in Indiana. So I went to high school there. I went to uh, some community college in the early days of college in, in Indiana. And then a few, a little bit out here in California when I came out uh did some community college stuff, but I never ended up graduating college. I kept trying to struggle through college and realized that the academic path was not for me. And then uh, from that, mm -hmm. I flowed into um, you know getting into real estate and realized that ended up being my path. So I was always a little self-conscious about never getting a college degree, but I realized after I got on the real estate path, it, it wasn't crucial to my success. Right. It wasn't necessary. So I always like to ask people when I have them on the show, what was your best experience in high school? Oh God, that's a great question. Probably when I moved out and uh, I moved out of my house when I was 17 years old. Wow! Uh, and I uh, finished my last year of high school on my own. My my dad was a very strong military disciplinarian guy, and he had this this rule that hey, this is my house; these are my rules, and if you don't like it, you can leave, kind of thing. Right. Uh, and I was a very rebellious teenager, so I moved out when I was 17. And finishing my last year of high school, having my own apartment with two or three roommates, and 
finishing high school and actually making <laughs> through it and working full time and ha- having a freedom as a, a young 17 year old out being independent. I would say those are some fond memories of, uh, oh, I, I <laughs> bet that's like, everything. that's, I think that's one of those things where like parents sometimes don't realize what is a, you know, people, they, what they consider to be a threat might be an, seen as an opportunity by somebody. Like I think, yeah. if, you know, I was the same way. I was very rebellious as a teenager and I think if my parents had said that to me, I would have been like, wow, that's an option. Cool. Let's do it. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. Like, why not do that? Yeah. Okay. okay. So tell me, tell us a little bit about your journey from real estate to what you're doing today. And what are you doing today? I mean, I, I've checked out your site and, and uh, I know you've got a book out. So tell us, tell us about that. Yeah. So uh, about a year and a half ago, um, I decided to, um, I was running my own real estate company after I left Prudential in 2008 and started my own company in 2009, which is one of the most uh, depressed real estate markets I'd worked in in 20 years. Uh, But I realized um, I had actually, um, uh, I got pushed out of Prudential after 15 years being there. Uh, a couple years being the CEO, one of our big course of uh, actions in 2007, eight uh, was to downsize like crazy. So I ended up closing down almost half the company with my team, my executive team. We closed about almost 40 offices. We laid off hundreds of people. We cut millions of dollars out of the operating budget. And about a week before Christmas in 2008, the powers that be above came down and said, okay, now you're going to be out of here and we're putting the guy in under you that makes half the money you make. And so I was part of the corporate cuts that I'd been a part of, of, of uh, being part of cutting myself, right. which is how the big corporate world works sometimes. Right. So I figured, you know, I figured, hey, they're not firing a CEO. They've actually just created a, an, and birthed an entrepreneur. Right. So I went out and started my own real estate company and uh, ran that for about five years. We got up to about eight offices and around four or 500 real estate agents. Um, and then I decided that the real estate space um, was being too restrictive for what I was trying to accomplish in my life. And I'd been having a yearning to go out and do some speaking and writing and consulting and getting more into an, a serial entrepreneur opportunity besides just being in traditional residential real estate. The real estate business has become so changed and transitioned with the internet and the way the world works. Right. And I felt like it was part of a dinosaur industry. So um, I started a company called Alchemy Advisors. And Alchemy Advisors is uh, in the business of helping people transition transform and evolve to their highest good in life and business. And I work with large companies and small entrepreneurs, a mix of both, that uh, are trying to increase profits, increase productivity, but are also trying to increase higher purpose in their life and in their business. So I only work with people that are really kind of awake in in what they can do in life and that they're trying to make some impact either socially or community or in a spiritual way. Um, And so I'm working with people trying to find the right path for them to to monetize their businesses, but also to monetize their time and their energy and their focus on creating the lives that they really want. So I've been working on that. Uh, And the book that I just wrote, um, which actually launches uh, this Thursday. So it'll be on Amazon this Thursday, finally. Oh, cool. Uh, Very cool. But the book's called Lead to Gold. An Entrepreneurial's Guide Through Transition and Transformation. And it talks about my journey of uh, all of my trials and tribulations and how do you turn lead into gold, you know, taking something that's of value, which is lead, turning it into gold, which is perceived more value, uh, which is what the alchemists used to talk about in the old ancient days where the alchemists had these uh, formulas and powers and the elixirs of life to turn lead into gold. So I play up on that theme in the book and I give some how-tos of, you know, uh, you know kind of the old thing of turning lemons into lemonade. Uh, and we've also, you know, we've all been hit with bricks upside the head. We've, you know, we've all had forced transition in our life, and some of yeah, us yeah. have chosen to have, tr- uh, you know, chosen transition. So it's a, it's a big book about the power of transition and transformation. Cool. cool. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's not that's cool because it sounds like you know you've gone through that, and so you have a lot of experience with that. So tell me when you're when you started this. I mean, what what is your why? Like, why do you do it? 
what inspires you about it? Because I'm, I'm assuming, you know, you went, you know, being at Prudential when you were and at home services and doing your own company, you probably did extremely well and you don't probably have, don't need to necessarily do something like this. So you're, you're clearly not doing it for the money because if you're going to do it for the money, you could just stay in real estate and probably just kill it in real estate again. Right, right. Why, why do you do it? Well, you know, I, I feel like I've got a I'm really tuned in to listening to my gut and to my higher power. I'm a pretty spiritual guy. So I do a lot of meditation and I do a lot of connecting to, you know, source and the universe and that kind of stuff. And I just feel like I've had this calling and this prompting that's been tapping me on the shoulder for a while, saying that it's that that I was supposed to do something in a bigger, different way to inspire others and to inspire myself and to set an example. So why I'm doing it is because I believe I'm being called to do it in some fashion. I also had a prompting to do it. My wife, uh, about, a, about a year and a half ago, when all this came about, um, had a really unexpected health crisis. Um, she went in for a very minor surgery. Everything went fine and dandy. She was home for a week or two and had an after complication where uh, she had an eruption internally from when they'd done a few stitches where she'd had a, uh, a little surgery done. And she all and we, we had to rush to the hospital and she was almost bled to death internally. Oh she, she, she was in a coma for about three weeks. Uh, she was mm-hmm. in the hospital for about a month and uh, she was literally on her deathbed the first few days. So it, it really gave me a real wake-up call um, to say, okay, you know, what's really important in life? What do I really want to be doing? And do I really want to be helping people buy and sell houses for the, for the next 10 or 15 years of my career? And the answer was no. And the answer was, well, what do you really want to do? And the, the answer was help inspire people um, to be their best selves. And, and so the, the message I kept getting was, well, how do you do that? And so I have a lot of mentors and friends that are in the business of writing and speaking and workshops and, and helping inspire entrepreneurs and others. And so the prompting of the, those combinations of things, of realizing I'd done all that I could do on a 20, 25-year path in real estate, that I was um, feeling unfulfilled in my final journey there. And I felt like I was kind of hitting some glass ceilings. And I realized that it was time to make a change. <clears throat> I wanted to really reinvent myself. So that my wife's illness, uh, unexpected health crisis, prompted me and her and I have a discussion of saying, you know, what do we want to do with the rest of our lives? And so uh, she encouraged me to go do what I wanted to do. So that that's what got me on this new path. That's so that's, cool. That's so cool. I mean, I, it, I, I really respect it. I think that that's really cool that you did that. It's a shame. I think it's a shame that some of us, uh, you know, myself and sounds like your story, you know, we almost have to have something really bad happen or close to being bad happen to get us to rethink it. But it sounds like you've been able to kind of get past that and, and really focus on, on your why and, and what's inspiring. You. Can you talk a little bit more about, cause you said something that's interesting and I, and I, and I, and I find this a lot in my work and I find this a lot um, in the world. I always feel like I'm the guy who is, you know, pretty grounded, pretty, pretty spiritual. But when I talk to other people about either connecting to source or, or uh, you know, meditating and, and trying to connect that way. Sometimes they look at you like you've got five eyes on your forehead because that's just not the way typical business is done. But you've been able to transition from uh, a very traditional business into one that's more of a coaching business. And you're very open about the fact that spirituality, meditation, and connecting to source has been a big part of that for you. Yes. What, what about it is that? Can you talk, talk a little bit about your meditation practice um, or how you connect and then also how that serves you in you know, your everyday business? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I kind of look at my my spirituality is something that I've kind of had instilled in me since I was a little kid. I mean, I think I, 
I just very at a very young age was very aware of source or something higher than myself. And my parents were very, very strict Catholics. So to this day, they're still very, very strong Catholics. And I was great. And I was glad that I had that that practice growing up of being with a family that had us go to church every Sunday, the five boys in the pews in the church, and we had to go to CCD and all of that stuff. And I, I never, I didn't resonate with the Catholic church per se. I was, I was glad that people had that faith, but I knew for me, it was a little too man-made, a little too ritualistic of how the, the, the faith worked. But I knew that I knew that I needed to believe in something higher than myself. So in my late teens, I got on a path of really studying more, studying more Eastern philosophies and Eastern cultures and the mm-hmm. East meets the West. And I just have done tons of reading and research and exploration of my own spirituality through many, many different sources. And so I've come to what I you know call my own comfortable path of what I believe in spirituality. And how do I incorporate that in my life is by doing a lot of prayer and meditation. And I got to that through, um, you know, probably many people that have been mentors to me that I, that when they get to certain levels of their life, many of the mentors I've sought out have talked about when they got to the success, they got to the money or they got to the power that there's always this sense of something is missing. Right. Uh, And there's something that's like, is this all there is? Is this all all there, this, is this all that there is in life? And I think a lot of people ask themselves that question that there's sometimes this, this place where we go, there's this, that's what I call a hole in the soul. You know, a lot, I I think I like that. That's cool. You know, human beings have this, this, you know, you have the kids, you have the wife, you get the job, you get the house and the status and there's, you know, or, or the, the wife gets the husband or, you know, people are in independent relationships or they're, you know, confirmed bachelors or whatever it might be. But there's always this something that seems to be this something that's sense of missing. And for me, I think that's something that sense of missing is a connection with a higher source, which is what your own spirituality is. So I have a daily ritual that I go through that I, that I make a practice. So in the morning I get up and I, I do my workout, and my run, I do a, a ritual where I do a meditation meditation and I do a kind of a chakra balancing thing. I do my, my affirmations. Uh, I do some spiritual reading. Uh, and then I've got a daily scorecard that I actually score myself in four different categories um, of body, being, bonds, and business. And, the, and I have a little flip chart on our little uh, board on my wall. And every day I get a point for each of those categories. And those are things that I do that are daily exercises that focus on making those areas of my life my body being my bonds and my business, that I have more of a balanced life and having that balanced life, which encompasses spirituality uh, and meditation throughout the day and, and going to a spiritual practice where I, you know, uh, I go to different, uh, you know, I go to self-realization fellowship and I do meditation there and I do a yeah, lot of reading, yeah. Paramahansa Yogananda. And that's probably, that's why you look so familiar because we go to SRF too occasionally. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, my wife has gone through, my wife's gone through the, uh, she's gone through the lessons and, and we used to take our kids there. I haven't gone in a while, but I, you know, I, I love that place. I go there occasionally and just meditate in the gardens or whatever, whatever, but just such a cool place, such a cool place. Oh, that's my privacy there. That that is an amazing place. It's an amazing vibe. But for me, that becomes the it becomes that's what ends up nourishing part of my soul and and who I am. And so that kind of practice of the, the more I dig deeper into that, mm-hmm. the more I feel like I have purpose, and the less important material stuff becomes, and the less important. Don't get me wrong. I love money. I love you know. I love having the opportunity to have fluid choices in life and money gives you freedom but right. the necessity to have the you know the the big house and the four and five car garage and the and the yacht and the different things that I used to always focus on they're not near as important as, as being driven to have those things as they were when I was climbing the corporate ladder when I was in my 30s and 40s sure. uh, I was still on a I was still spiritually conscious at the time but I was not spiritually practicing there's a difference I mean you can be spiritually aware and believe in something but there's a difference between having a practice that you're incorporating into your daily practice of your daily life. I saw, as an example, I saw on your site, I think you do fi- uh, uh, fit. Um, CrossFit. 
CrossFit. And, yeah. you know, there's one thing for people to, to say they want to get healthier, work out, but there's another thing to be committed to something like CrossFit. I mean, that's a right. real right. discipline that you have that, you know, you get into that and it affects your body and it affects your mind. But that's a dis- discipline that you made that a priority in your life. And I think that's what you have to do with spirituality is you have to make that a disciplined commitment that you make a daily effort towards. Oh, I love that. I love that. Can, can you tell me about, so you talk about that board, that body being business and bonds. Yeah. Tell me, tell me how that works. Because, and, and if you would, I, I, if you wouldn't mind, can you take a picture of your board or, or is there something you can send me so I can put it in the show notes on that? Because that sounds really, really cool. Absolutely. I'll send you over that. And I actually put that as a, in my book as well as a, as a chapter in there too. But the way it works is I've got like a little tiny um, whiteboard on my wall and I broke it into across the top of the board. It says bonds being bonds and business. And then there's columns that come down. And then on the bottom, I have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then at the, I'm just trying to get to four points a day. So all I'm okay. trying to do is make four points. The way it works is in my body, if I work out in the morning and do what my workout routine is, and then if I also eat my healthy vegan lifestyle, I became a vegan about 15 months ago, which to my, if you would have told me two years ago I'd be a vegan, I would have said, why would I ever want to be a vegan? And why would you do that? What does that mean to be a vegan? Right. My, dad, my dad still pronounces it vegan. He always says, are you, are you still a vegan? I'm like, I'm like, dad, I eat fish. I eat fish. But anyway, yeah. okay, go ahead, good. So back to the board. Right. So, so, it, it, I, so I get a half a point if I work out and, and then I get a half a point if I eat my healthy vegan lifestyle. So for somebody that could be, you know, eating cleanly. So I get a half a point for each of those things. And that's one point. So I get one point for my body. For my being, um, that's my spiritual connection or my connection with myself and my higher source. So that's if I, on a daily basis, do my spiritual prayer and meditation in the morning, I, I get a half a point. And then throughout the day, I have to meditate at least one more time. And I have to do something that's of spiritual, um, a, a spiritual exercise throughout the day that, that in, in expresses my spiritual connection in some way to the world. Like, that, like give me an example of that. So that might be somewhere where I'm doing a, um, I'm having a friend of mine and I, I do a spiritual um, exercise together where we read something that's spiritual and we have a mastermind around talking about it. It might be that I'm going and doing some contribution out at uh, Self-Realization Fellowship. It might be that I am getting into forgiveness, that if there's somebody that I am, that I have begrudged or that I have not forgiven in that day, Part of that spiritual balance is um, an exercise of spirituality is forgiving someone that's really hard to forgive yeah. and make effort in that day to go out and make effort, whether it's calling them, setting up a lunch with them, sending them a private email that's heartfelt about g- being of some forgiveness or asking for forgiveness from someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those kinds of things where I take exercises in my spiritual practice to say, what can I do to have a deeper connection to my my spiritual, which I call God? So what, what's an act that I can do in that day? So if I'm doing my meditation and prayer and I'm doing some type of a spiritual act or connection, then I get a half a point for each of those, which is one point. Um, and then for my, uh, my bonds, that's where I have to make some type of effort on a daily basis to, to make a physical outgoing uh, expression to my wife and my immediately fam- family that I show them an expression of love and that I care about and that's commitment. Oh, that's uh, awesome. And then I have another half a point that I have to do that outside of my family. So that might be calling up an old friend. That might be calling up someone and tell them how much you're impressed and what they're doing in life. So my bonds is a half a point in my family and a half a point outside of my family. What's interesting interesting about that, if I can interrupt you for a second. So yesterday, somebody called me, one of my best friends from college who I've not spoken to in 20 years, called me out of the blue just to say hi and just to reconnect. And I got to say, like, it really made my week. Like, it's going to make my week because... You know, it's somebody I was really, really close to, and it didn't really take a ton of effort for him to do that, to pick up the phone and call me. And we had, you know, probably talked for like 15, 20 minutes. So right. I see what you mean by, you know, making those bonds outside. But like my, 
my relationship with him is now forever strengthened just because of that simple phone call. It's amazing. It's amazing how much making a proactive connection to people, how much it really means to them. So I think correct. Absolutely correct. That's a great example. Not exactly. I would have gotten a. I got. would have gotten a high five, half a point for that one because that's exactly what that it, it is to be. Yeah. Uh, and, and and then the last. And so that's great because then the bond, the bonds, and the being are pretty closely related. Right. Because when you're making an effort out to make someone feel valued or appreciated or loved or cared about, that is also an expression as well as doing an exercise of your being as well. So bond, being and bonds are fairly well intertwined, right. but I, I had them broken down separately the way that I did. And then the last one is business, which is where I have to work. I get a half a point for working in my business, which means I'm working on the day-to-day stuff of doing stuff that keeps my business moving forward. But then I also have to, then I get a half a point for working on my business where I'm doing stuff that's related to future growth, future planning, prospecting, doing something that's going to move my business in the future forward. And a lot of times we as independent business owners or even employees that are in companies or whatever, we, we, we get so busy working in the day-to-day grind of our business. Right. We don't, we don't work on our business to progress it moving forward. So I get a half a point if I make my schedule in a day that I actually do both of those things. Um, and then so I'm just trying to get to four points at the end of the day. So I get one point for each category, bonds, being, body and business. And at the end of the week, I, I do this for seven days. I'm trying to get to a perfect score of 28, which I don't always hit. Every once in a while, I'll hit a 28, but I'm usually like hitting maybe a 25 or a 24 and a half or 26 because some days I'm getting a half a point. You know, every once in a while, I might get a zero on one of them. Um, <laughs> You know, so um, so that's kind of how I stay on track with making this commitment to making a changed life. And it, it works really well for me. And then do you, do you record all your weekly scores somewhere else? Yes. And then I have that as a running tally that I look back, um, you know, and look at where I and then I realize and I do this in my coaching as well. I, the coaching I just hung up on a coaching call that I was in uh, right before I hung up with you, got on with you. And I start with my clients. I have them do this exercise as well. So then I start with a week and I say, OK, well, let's let's talk about your successes and your challenges for the week. Where were you high and low? And then we go through these different categories and it helps us pinpoint you know, if they're constantly getting goose eggs in their bonds category with their right. wife or their partner, um, what's going on with that? So it, it helps me to, to not only direct conversation with clients I'm working with, whether it's uh, in, you know, coaching clients. And I don't necessarily do that with my consulting clients and that specific because it's usually working more with companies and groups of people. But uh, for me personally and for coaching, it works really well. And then keeping the scores of it helps you, sh- you know, realize where you you know, we say that things are important in our life. We say family is most important. We say God's most important. We say our health is most important. But many times we spend the least amount of time focused on those things. Right. So um, I so agree with that. It's crazy how we get immersed in email and just doing kind of the BS of life when, when yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like we, you know, fam, we always, everybody says family is the most important thing. Most important thing to, you know, to me is my kids. And I'm always like, well, do you hang out with them? Do you ever go home early and spend time with them? Like, no, I don't. But. I, you know, I play a lot of golf. I'm like, well, then really, then golf is really important to you and your family is kind of important to you. Right. It's true. It's true. I mean, it's, it, well, you know, where things are showing up in your life where you have your, your commitment to where you're spending most of your time is really where you probably find most importance. And your example is absolutely correct. And, you know, most people say, when I say, what do you want in life? Most people say, well, I want to be, I just want to be happy. I want to be happy and joyful and say, well, what makes you happy and joyful? And, you know, so a lot of times people are not focused on what's making them happy and joyful. They're focused on things that are creating them strife and stress. And they're not focused on family and higher power when they say that's important to them. And, you know, they might think they're focused on family, but if you ask the family, you know, if you ask someone's spouse or partner or kids, if they think that their father or mother or partner or husband is making them the best priority that they could and they get full attention, most people 
not going to say either going to say not always, not fully, or going to say no. Uh, every once in a while, you'll find someone says, yes, I feel fully appreciated. I feel fully loved and I feel fully engaged in, in a great relationship. Um, that's less common than not. I mean, right. you know, that's less common. And so my goal is to make sure that in my own life, I'm making that much more of a priority and I'm walking my talk. Um, and that in my stuff that I'm out now trying to do in the world, that I'm walking by example and helping others find ways um, to, you know, just be more aware of it. And the more aware you can be, you know, it's not, it's not perfection. It's a process and it's, you know, it's something that's continually in motion, but the, the good news is being aware of it and having daily accountability to it keeps you much more aware of it and much more focused and course correction can happen much more effectively. Right. Right. And I think, I think it's what's, what's cool about what you're saying, what you're doing is you're actually a guy who walks the talk because if you're coaching people, talking to them about, you know, Hey, it's good to have a spiritual practice and be conscious I mean, you're doing it and you're, and you're literally keeping a score of what you're doing and, and making yourself accountable. It's very similar to, um, the, do you remember, uh, what Ben Franklin used to be, used to do in his notebook and he used to rank every day and whether he did certain things, very similar to your boards, uh, thing. I read it in, um, the art of, uh, art has a great article about Ben Franklin and how he recorded it every, almost every day of his life. Like, you know, and he would track it on a weekly basis. Really cool yeah. Stuff. yeah, yeah, it's very, very cool stuff. Well, anything you can track and measure, you can improve upon, and you know, science has proved that, and so is mathematicians. So, right, it right. So, switching topics here. So, tell me, you know, you're a pretty evolved guy. Who are your heroes? Like, who who inspires you, and, and who would you, if you had to name two or three heroes, who would they be? Um, you know, that's a great question. I, I, I think a lot of people probably would point to their parents. I mean, my, my dad and my mom, you know, although they had very different pasts and different beliefs than I had, they inspire me just from the commitment they've had to a 50 plus marriage and, you know, raising five boys and the trials and tribulations they've had in life and staying focused on their own faith. So they, they inspire me. Um, some of my immediate mentors that I have, that I have, you know, I, I have people that inspire me that are in bigger places of life, like Paramahansa Yogananda, someone who is an ins inspiration, who's a spiritual leader who came here from India and didn't know a single soul and, and created a movement. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but as far as daily people that I can actually connect with, that I know that uh, are, are in my business or in my career paths that I'm in or that inspire me, some of the people that are actually are in my book that were kind enough to, to do some endorsements from people like Brian Tracy, a friend and associate of mine, uh, John Asroff, who was a guy involved in The Secret and is doing some really great work out there. Mm -hmm. uh, another guy named Mark Thompson, who is a, a, a friend of mine <laughs> and a member up in Northern California, um, is a really great um, uh, speaker and uh, author and uh, entrepreneur and does a lot of great work in the, in the world of helping change environment and communities and, and doing good work. Um, you know, and then other pe people that, uh, when you think about people that, that change the world, um, I, I'm really into looking at people that are change that are change oriented, people that w are willing to take risk and people that are willing to uh, inspire others to do the same. So I probably have, you know, hundreds of them that I can think of that I read or follow along the way. But those are a few that come to mind. Cool. 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 What um, along those topics, what what books have you read that have made the most the biggest impact on your life? Obviously, autobiography of a yogi. But what yeah, uh, I would say the, some of the early days stuff reading um, Think and Grow Rich. Um, mm -hmm. by Napoleon Hill, which is, you know, a staple for anybody who's been in the self-help movement. Sure. Uh, there was a book called, uh, Johnny, Johnny got his gun, 
which is something I read in my uh, teens, which was just a really fascinating book. I'm drawing a blank on the author right now, but about a, a war vet who was um, was wounded and lost his limbs, lost his sight, lost his hearing. He was trapped in his own body. And it was the power of him breaking through and trying to communicate with a nurse who was nursing him back through in the hospital and the, the power of spirit and realizing he was still alive within his own body, even though none of it worked. Right. So it was just this really intense uh, thing from his perspective of being locked in his body and realizing what his connection was and what his true essence was, even though he had none of his senses and he had no, no way to communicate. That was a really powerful book. Uh, another book uh, that I love is called The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Yeah, it's a great book. Love it. Um, and that was part of the reason I picked the name for my company, um, Alchemy Advisors, because I really, really love that book. Um, there's another book that I read now that I became an author uh, called The Art of War uh, or The War of Art, one of the two. It's by Stephen Pressfield. And it just talks about the power of resistance and how in life, the bigger you're trying to create a dream or you're trying to get something accomplished in your life, just like gravity exists, resistance exists in all of our lives. And it's a very real thing. And if you can find ways to break through resistance and get on the other side of that, which is a lot of times breaking through fear, there's great empowerment on the other side of, uh, of that force. Um, and then there was another book I read when I was a young, young teenager coming up and getting into the, the power of thought called Creative Visualization by Shakti Gawain. Okay. Uh, and uh, that's just about the power of how you can – and it was way before The Secret and way before – that kind of stuff. Um, but that's another great book that comes to mind. So those are some off the top of my head. Yeah, cool, cool. You should also check out Obstacle is the Way. I can't remember the author's name, but it's it's fantastic. It's very um, – if, you, if you've read any of the Stoics, like Seneca, Marcus Aurelius, it's along yep. those lines. It's, it's written – but it's written by a marketing guy. Um, he, written by the same guy who wrote Trust Me, I'm Lying. And it's oh, yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. You'll dig it. It's right up your alley. Oh, cool. Um, okay, cool. So I only have a couple more questions for you. So here, here's one. What do you think are the three biggest keys to having epic life? Uh, I would say that the first one to me to having epic is to believe in something higher than yourself and to make sure you understand what your own personal legend is. Uh, so to have an epic life, I think we all have to realize that, you know, this journey that we're on is, uh, you know, it comes and goes so rapidly for everyone. We all leave this planet. No one gets out alive. But if you're not focused on something that is higher than yourself and there's a higher force helping you get to that point, it's hard to have a fulfilling epic life. The other thing I think to have an epic life is to be in your most optimal health that you can be in. I'm in, I'm in, you know, my early fifties now and I'm in better health that I've been since I was in my thirties and forties. Um, and having an epic life means that you've got a spiritual connection and you've got a healthy body that can go out and function the way that you want to show up in this world. And then I think the other way to have an epic life is to find a, find a way to, to find love and give love as much as you possibly can every day. Right. Uh, so if I had to boil it down to three, those are probably three that come to mind. And those are great. Those are great. Tell me about, um, your, what, what would you go back? You said you're in your early fifties. What would you go back? If you could go back in time and talk to the 20 year old version of yourself, what would you tell that guy? Um, I would say what I would probably tell that 20 year old guy is don't party near as much as you did along the way. Because <laughs> uh, I got I was one of those guys that uh, worked hard and played hard. Uh, and I always took that as a great motto. Uh, I drank a lot. I smoked. I really kind of abused my body. And unfortunately, those things caught up with me and it got the better of me. And, and it could have been the death of me. And luckily it didn't. I haven't had a drink in 13 years. Um, and uh, so I would have told my early self, you know, stay focused on some of the stuff I'm working on right now, you know, in my body, my beings, my bonds and my business and stay away from things that are going to harm your, your body and your psyche and your soul. 
uh, and that you know, there, there's there's the only stuff that we're that we're trying to find out there, whether it's money or drugs or sex or rock and roll or whatever, to fill the hole in the soul. I would have told my 20 year person to to get deeper into uh, all the stuff we've talked about in the last half hour sooner than later. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, cool. Uh, put some. Uh, tell us, give me some final thoughts for our listeners. Final thoughts are that. You know, everyone has the power to affect change in their life. And if they're not living the life they want to live right now and they have this expectation of what it is, and I think most people do, we have this vision of what we want our life to be. And then we have the reality of what our life is. And in between those two things is where we create stress, strife, and anxiety. And the, and, the, and the faster that we can find ways to bridge that gap between the life we want and the life that is, and we have a path and steps and processes to get there, the more fulfilling you're going to get up in your daily life and find the joy and peace and happiness you're looking for. And it doesn't mean you're going to get to all of your end goals, but it means if you can identify what you're willing to do to do, do what it takes to get to that life that you want, that will start giving you the energy and the, and the, and the foresight and the universe will start conspiring towards your success to help you get on that path path to create that life that really is your you're trying to create in your life oh that's awesome that's awesome okay so where can where can people find you online where can they get in touch with you yeah best way is probably my website which is the alchemy the alchemy it's got a free chapter of my book you can download you can buy the book after thursday through amazon uh it's got it's got some videos on there it's got uh, some business you know some worksheets and various things that you can get on for my site it's got my email my social sites i'm obviously on facebook as many people are right. so that's the best way the alchemy advisors.com uh, you know it's funny i was on your site earlier uh, a couple days ago and i was checking out the video and i saw i saw you recording on the beach with i think your dog what's your dog's name olivia olivia yeah. What what beach were you recording on? That one was down on uh, on Cardiff Beach, uh, right by uh, seaside. Of, uh, seaside. Yeah. Yeah. I was just saying because I was like, ah, oh, man, I was like, I, that looks so familiar to me. And I was like, oh, that's right, because I surfed there, you know, a couple weeks ago. So, I, oh, you know, very cool. Really, yeah, right on. Well, Steve, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, Steve's book is called Lead to Gold. Um, Alchemy Advisors dot com. I'll put all this in the show notes too. Um, Steve, it has been a true pleasure, and hopefully I get to meet you at some point in the future. Maybe I'll see you at SRF, or, or maybe we can meet for coffee at Darshan or something. I would love that. That sounds perfect. Well, awesome. thank you for having me on. Yeah, you got it. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening, everybody, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for checking out the Make Life Epic podcast. Check us out online at makelifeepic.com, and I hope you have a fantastic day. Look forward to talking to you soon.